episode 149, everybody, with near-death experiencer Kathy McDaniel. Really appreciate Kathy coming on and sharing her story. Uh, courageous to come on and, and share such a story because uh, people like me and probably many others are skeptical of this type of stuff. She talks about her experiences in uh, both hell and in heaven when she was in a medically induced coma uh, back in 1999, early 2000. And uh, we hear all about it. We hear about afterlife, what she saw, what she believes, and, and how it affects her everyday life. Um, you guys will take it for what it's worth and make your own judgments and decisions based upon our conversation. But uh, again, do appreciate Kathy. And if you haven't yet, everyone, please subscribe to the podcast, whether you're doing it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or uh, iHeartRadio. I don't care where you do it. Just do it and, and share it with people. And uh, really appreciate all the feedback and ratings that are coming in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. With that said, everybody, please enjoy this next eye-opening conversation with the one and only Kathy McDaniel. The Optimal Life. Kathy McDaniel, welcome to The Optimal Life. How are you? I'm fine, Nate. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. Um, You're located in Washington, Washington State, not Washington, D.C., Right, the and, other Washington, yes, the state. Yes, the the, the real the real <laughs> Washington, we'll call it. And uh, I'm here in Ohio. We have the similar kind of weather this time of year, a little gloom and doom kind of kind of feeling. You guys getting the it's same cer- thing? Yeah, certainly is gloomy. Probably not as gloomy as it was back in 1999. Um, I remember in 99, in the the winter of 99, December time frame. Um, I uh, had dislocated my shoulder and torn my labrum and needed surgery, so it was a very gloomy time for me, and and from what I've learned about you, it seemed like it was a pretty gloomy time for you as well. Yeah, it was. Right there at the, uh, almost the end of the year, um, I was with a friend, and we went to a great big concert, and everybody there had this horrible flu in Southern California, so I brought it back with me, and uh, that progressed into pneumonia and then by the time they got me to the ER I uh, was admitted to the hospital and developed ARDS which is uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome otherwise known as lung failure and that's usually what kills people with the SARS or COVID it's that complication of pneumonia. Right so what happens you go into a it was so severe that you went into a medically induced coma Right, I couldn't breathe, uh, so they were going to have to intubate intubate me, and that they don't want you tearing out tubes, so they have to put you in a coma, and they gave me something called white amnesia somewhere in the mix so that I would not remember anything that happened while I was out. They didn't want to remember the poking and the pain and uh, discomfort of all of that, so my, my brain went to sleep, but my spirit did not. So you say your brain went to sleep, but your spirit did not. Uh, elaborate, if you would. What what happened? Well, uh, I, I, before that, I was pretty much just a cradle Catholic and believed in what everybody else believed in and never gave it too much thought. But after my experience where um, my soul drifted off, which can happen fairly easily in a coma, um, you don't have to be dead to have a near-death experience. Your your uh, consciousness just has to travel somewhere other than inside your body. So I, um, I, I said goodbye to people, gave people a thumbs up, and closed my eyes. And 
Uh, I don't know how much time went by, but um, I woke up in a very, very dark place. It was, I mean, I couldn't see a thing. It was uh, like being in a closet. And I thought, what the heck just happened? So I just stood there because I didn't know if I was standing on a stool or sitting in a chair. I just, I just was afraid to move and fall. But as uh, I stood there, I, I noticed that my surroundings started kind of morphing into a different color and, and uh, uh, I could start hearing things like shrieks and moans and this, this the light got brighter and, and it was a, a darkish red with swirling kind of fog and and I thought, geez, this can't be good. I I, hadn't, I didn't know what was going on and all of a sudden this voice boomed out of the fog do you know where you are and I thought this could only be one place I don't know how I got here but I just whispered hell and this voice responded with this resounding horrible echoing ha 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 like out of a Vincent Price movie and boy I was scared to death so I just turned and ran I didn't care where I was going if I bumped into something or not I just split and what happened Nate is that um I found myself in a couple of different scenarios uh, one after another that were not of this world um uh, one of the first ones was in this bombed out city everything was kind of smoking and fires here and there and all these concrete building chunks were where the it was like a studies had you know like annihilated new york city or something again i didn't know where i was i didn't feel dead i i felt exactly like myself that never changed my consciousness that much you know what i am remained the same so i i never felt dead just threatened so i went from place to place uh interacting with demons with other people uh again in situations uh it became obvious that I wasn't going to get out of there easily, but I'm a survivor, so I, I, I never gave up hope, even though there, toward the end of it I was getting a little weary. Um, so that's pretty much what happened. Uh, in the book, it goes into great detail as to as to what happened. But um, let me ask that, you. That was a very unpleasant. Let, let uh, me situation. ask you. Let's let's unpack some of this because this is this is hard to comprehend. It sounds like you had a bad dream. Well, you would think so, but here it is 21 years later, and I still remember every second of it, even though it was in a timeless place. So, so you're laying in Dreams bed. Dreams you don't, you don't remember. Maybe the next day you'll remember a dream or maybe a couple of days later, but not, not this way. And the way, another way I knew what happened to me was it took 10 years, but I finally got to a group called IONS. That's the International Association of Near-Death Studies. They've been, it's a 40-year-old group up in Seattle here that I found by serendipitous circumstances. And uh, there are hundreds and thousands of people all over the world living now and living before us that have had these experiences that can't be explained that that are sometimes written off as oh you were on you know they had you full of drugs in the hospital or it was a bad dream or a nightmare 
and it wasn't and it was until I could actually talk to these people and hear them speak and these are not just run-of-the-mill folks there's you know neurosurgeons and heart specialists who all went through these same experiences especially one neurosurgeon Evan Alexander he was marvelous to hear he was an atheist and he knew that when you're brain dead uh, nothing happens but when he had a brain embolism his uh, he, he flatlined his brain flatlined for like 20 minutes or something and he still remembers every instance of his near-death experience all these years later and that's because the brain was asleep but the spirit was still the one experiencing it and wasn't asleep so it this, sounds kind of kooky but that's the way it runs it does it does it, it, so if this was a near-death experience why was the first place that you went to hell because I believe, and that took me many years to figure out, and with a lot of reading from other people who have had these dark, that's what they call them, dark near-death experiences, is that for myself, I planned it. I chose it, and I made my own hell. Uh, I believed as a Catholic that there was a purgatory and I'd have to burn my sins off when I died. And by golly, I wasn't disappointed. Um, I have also learned and believe with my whole heart that God is is unconditional love. He, God, he's not a he. God would never turn anyone away. God loves us no matter what we do. And we only uh, can condemn ourselves. So you had these preconceived notions. So when you are in the coma, do you know that your spirit is is leaving the body? I mean, are you able to like look down on yourself? What's what's happening physically? How does it feel? Well, there's all kinds of things that happen to people. That what you're referring to is an out of body experience. That usually happens with people in surgery when they stop their heart or something goes wrong, and they kind of float up to the ceiling and wander around. Uh, when you're in a coma, your body um, people may do other things. Nobody has the same experience. Everybody's there's a few things that are similar, but everybody's is pretty much dependent on uh, their own personality, what they believe, and uh, mind uh, just manifested in this fashion. Yeah, so you end up, uh, how, how long are you seeing these things in hell? What, what's these different places that you're going to? So hell has a bunch of different rooms, different locations, it sounds like. Mine uh, did. I don't know about anybody else's. I'm sure other people have experienced hell and come back to talk about it. But I'm, I'm believing now that that you know, like I say, we made it. We decided to go. Uh, we agreed to go, and we went. So, um, and there's no time uh, on that side. There's, there's no. I was in a coma three weeks. I don't. You can be out of body for uh, you know a couple seconds and it feels like years because it's an eternal now on the other side there's no watches or clocks or anything uh in the spirit world but are you looking at people and are they are they remorseful are they crying are they upset for the lives that they lived when they were living here and now they're now they're basically being punished what are you seeing 
I was seeing uh, situations that related to me. I couldn't really tell what other people were going through. I mean, I interacted with some people um, as I trod upon my path, uh, and a couple of them were living people, which is very unusual. Um, it turns out I had messages to give them, so I did that. And, of course, there's no good way to come up to someone that you know really well and say, say, I was in hell and saw you there. Uh, that doesn't go over real well. That's how you, that's how you um, lose a friend very quickly, right? The, the, the demons are, a, are just a nasty lot. Um, the people that were there didn't, they were suffering. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to say it was my imagination. It was my experience. And those people were somehow... Uh, were part of my experience it's you know our human brains really can't wrap itself around all this otherworldly thing it's it's kind of like trying to teach a little kid to drive a semi you know we, we don't have the ability so all we can use is is words that are like what happened like like being in heaven uh it's just ineffable people can't there are no human earthly words to describe something that is non-earthly um so it, it, it's we stumble a bit about trying to explain these things because while we were experiencing them we knew what we were experiencing it was it was real and so we were dealing with real things but when we come back those things aren't here in this this universe in this planet so people look at you strangely it's it's really difficult that's why anybody out there if you've had a near-death experience and people are not buying it or they're poo-pooing it please go to ions.org and find uh, a group of people who will understand totally um, oh, it, it just is so freeing to find other people who have died or have been on the other side and understand it's, it's tough because your family never quite gets it yeah yeah it's it's hard to uh, comprehend for someone like myself who has not gone through it so it's interesting mm -hmm. to hear to hear what you saw so you you saw all these different these places and then you you escape and then are you back to a, a solitude back in the bed in the hospital what's going on no, first I, um, after the last episode, I found myself in heaven, and there was just, it's like saying, how do you know you're in heaven? Uh, there's nothing like it. I mean, people talk about the, uh, the, the love and the joy and the exaltation and peace and happiness. It's just there's nothing on earth to compare to it if you took everything you ever enjoyed you know and, and took it multiplied it by a really large number it still would only scratch the surface there's there's no way to explain it and then uh for me i i was only allowed to stay for a short time i i got to see my uh, former fiance who was my best friend and uh, who I'd been taking care of as a caregiver when he was going through leukemia prior to this. Uh, I got run down uh, after about eight months of day and night trauma, and he died a month before I did. 
but mm. he stayed lucky ducky uh so i got to see him and he looked so wonderful and healthy and younger and uh, it, it was just delightful I, I i loved it and i was not there too very long he had shown me something in this big book but i could not remember what it was when i got home uh he just said that uh now mary Kay, which is what he called me you've got too much left to do and it dawned on me that they were throwing me out and i was furious i refused to go and that didn't make any difference <laughs> they sent me back anyhow and after uh, a little transition period coming down this lovely stream going back down into the real world um and then awakening in this uh from a three-week coma in, in the ccu uh they'd taken the well the tube out of my throat but they had a small one down for feeding me i was on oxygen i had lost all my muscle mass. I was 86 pounds. Um, I couldn't move at all, except one finger I could kind of bend and I could blink. And to see this room full of, of my relatives, all yippee, skippy, welcoming me back, and I was just back from heaven, I was furious. And it was really a good thing I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk for about three days. They put some device in my throat so I could sound like a robot talking after a while. But uh, it took me about six months to accept the fact that I was back and that I was going to have to get all this stuff done before I could go back to heaven. Um, it was tough. You called him a lucky ducky, so oh, it, boy. It, lucky ducky that he was that he was died and moved on to heaven. Uh, so why was he a lucky ducky? He got to stay in heaven. He didn't come back. Uh, but what, it's, what's it's, so what's so amazing about it that 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 you were jealous that you couldn't stay? Because wouldn't you be sad to miss all your family? What what was so? No, no. You, been sad. <laughs> you, you know they're you all going to be there sooner or later. You couldn't wait to I get mean, away. There's from so many them. people up there now that you know. Uh, I mean, I lost my dad on the sixth. Uh, he was almost ninety-seven, and. He's already sent me back little little hints and messages that, that he's fine, you know, as his mom and his sister met him and uh, when he transitioned. And um, no, you don't want to come back. You don't. It's, it's just too perfect and wonderful. But to slam back into this body of mine that, that couldn't move and was, uh, I could hear the doctor in the other room saying, well, we don't know how brain damaged she's going to be. She's probably not going to be able to live on her own anymore. Don't count on her driving a car and you're laying there and there's all these tubes and and uh it's awful i mean who wants to come back to that uh-uh when, when they pushed you did you feel them pushing you back like what what's going on with that how does that work no he just told me i had to go back and then i found like i said found myself kind of walking down this stream and a couple of people were encouraging me down to return and and then eventually i woke up but it, some people do, uh, especially if they've had surgeries or they've had their heart stop and somebody resuscitates them, they will tell you that they felt like they were slammed back into this little tiny frail body. Because your spirit, once it gets loose, is is vast and, and free and unfettered. So to come back to the heaviness of having a body, particularly one that's sick, or, uh, you know, it's not a pleasant experience. I mean, it's bad enough when you're sick laying in a bed feeling like crap, you know, if you've got the flu or something. But, but to have been perfect and then come back to that, it's a letdown. 
you compared hell to uh, basically a, a destroyed, destructed New York City, like a Gotham City kind of uh, setting. So how would you compare what you saw in heaven? Well, that was just one setting, Nate. I saw at least 10 different settings, all of them different. But heaven is indescribable. Uh, the, the, uh, where I was was just really bright, uh, kind of sparkly white. Um, and then my friend looked like he did on earth, except he looked like he was about 35. And the last time I'd seen him, he was 53. So his hair was darker and and he looked very healthy. But there, he seemed to be standing like in front of this like arched doorway and I couldn't see around him, I guess, because I was a short timer. They didn't bother with the, you know, with the flowers and the music and all that stuff. But everybody has a has a different experience. You talk to a hundred people, you'll get a different hundred different uh, explanation. How, how do you it's, think he knew you were coming? How, how does somebody know that you're coming? Coming? How did he know that you were coming in to try to get knocking on heaven's door? How, how was he? How did he know to be waiting there for you? Uh, they know everything up there. You can is you know what the bottom line after all the years twenty one years I've been thinking about this talking to other people and all. I really believe that we start in heaven. We're all little pieces of God. All our souls are little pieces of God. And we, we choose with, a, with our little, um, it's like a soul group you got up there. People that, not people, but the souls that you want to come to earth and learn lessons. That's why we're here. This is one big play. We have determined that we want to learn this, this, and this. We're going to go down with these people. You're going to be my mom. You're going to be my best friend. You're going to be the guy who lives next door. It doesn't get maybe because that detailed. I don't know. Again, it's it's too big for our little heads to imagine. This is the, like the, the the stripped down version. So we come down to earth. We uh, experience what we want to do. Uh, we learn our lessons. And uh, the thing that I brought back from that is I stopped blaming God for all the bad things that happened to me in this world. And I've had a few, just like everybody else. And know now that I chose those things. I chose to get a divorce. I chose this situation. And I have to stop blaming and say, oh, take responsibility and say, what am I supposed to learn? And when I learn everything, when I've done with what I've planned on my life, I get to go home. Mm. And up there, you get um, a life review, and you get a chance not to be judged, but to see everything you've done from front to back your whole life, how it's impacted others. And you get to see those people and their the impact on those lives. And then you get to see the reverse, which is you get to feel how it felt being uh, in a life or being... Uh, Oh, well, meeting with somebody, you get to feel all that. So if you and I are having a great conversation in heaven, part of our life review is us, um, us doing this and how I felt, you know, which is great, how you felt. Um, but every single second of your day is going to be reviewed. And you get to look back at that and say, wow, I could have done a little better there. Or I was really great when it came to this. Mm. But there's no judgment. Nobody goes to hell. Nobody is up there playing harps. It's it's a you're working. It's it's, it's a wonderful. Uh, you can reincarnate and come back as many times as you want to learn different lessons. You can you can sit it out for a while and 
I don't know, go travel through the universes. There's more than one. Um, there's, I don't know, it's, it's just too big to put in a box and say, oh, this is what heaven is like. Was it? Uh, were you in a physical form or were you in spiritual form, did it feel like? I didn't have a mirror, you know. I, I always felt exactly like me. Mm. I never really thought about it. Um, my friend looked very much, you know, in I, I'm told that you can um, choose to look like you want to, you know, for different people. Uh, but generally, people uh, tend to look the best they ever did in their 30s. Yep, 35 must be the magic number, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you think back, you had your hair, you know, <laughs> your vigor, you, you know, your waistline was great. Uh, you were healthy, happy. So that's generally how it goes. Um, do you have any kids I, by, by any I chance? I the one person I saw. Kathy, do you have any uh, children by any chance? I have two here and one in heaven. So uh, two, in he two in heaven, actually. So you have two that are alive and two that have passed? Yep. And if, if one of your two that are still here today would, uh, would pass away, would you be sad or would you be happy? Or explain your feelings. Well, like I say, my dad died about a week and a half ago, oh and my God. I'm so uh, he sorry. was ninety-six. I'm I'm seventy-four. I've known him for seventy-four years, and it made a big hole in my life. But I know that he was getting kind of run down and and you know frail, and his mind was starting to go, and he wasn't he wasn't happy here. He was staying away. From, uh, he's staying alive for my mom. She's 93 and she's getting some dementia. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was just hanging out because he was afraid to leave her. They've been married, well, 77 years would have been. Um, wow. Since he was, she was 15 and he was 19. Uh, it's, you know, so yeah, we miss him. And yeah, we're sad. We won't be able to see him physically. But he and I had a lot of talking uh, over the last few years about heaven, and and uh, he he was ready to go. And uh, he was a pilot uh, in World War II. His plane was shot down over the Philippines, and uh, that's how our whole family got into being Catholics. Uh, his plane cartwheeled on the beach. There was a in the on a beach where there was the war going on, and he was hanging upside down in his plane with a uh, broken back and a and a he'd been shot and so uh, his plane the cockpit was open upside down and his head was in the sand and he was drowning in sand and he said he was an atheist at the time and he said god if you can get me out of this i'll i'll believe i'll we'll all be catholics well out some guys came out from the jungle and sat on the edge of his end of his plane and pulled him up and chopped him out of the plane and took him into the jungle and and patched him up and he got back to the U.S. and boy, he, mom and him became Catholic and all of us kids were Catholic. So since he's on the other side now, um, I don't know if you believe in mediums or not, but my uh, publisher is one. And we were talking the other night just out of the blue. She says, "Was your, your did you have an aunt? And, uh, and I says, yeah. And we were talking about the contract, and I was kind of sideswiped by that. And she says, well, who's Mary? And I says, well, that's my name. No, no, no. She says, somebody else. I says, well, my dad's mom. And he's, oh, well, he's telling me that his mom and sister met him when he was crossing over. And I kind of got quiet. I said, really? And he says, yeah, was he a pilot or a flyer or something? And I said, yeah. 
And he says, well, he wants you to know that he said the takeoff was a little bumpy, but he landed safely. Mm. That's you know, it's that kind of stuff. So I'm not distraught. No, I'm envious. I can't wait to see him again yeah. in, in heaven. And I know he's there. Yeah. Um, so it changes that too, the fear of death. Anybody with an NDE, nobody fears death again. Mm. You I might can't not, wait to get home. That's what it is. It's home. You might not be able to answer this, but you, you mentioned earlier you realize that we make our own decisions and i got to start taking ownership for my actions. Bad things happen. Those mm -hmm. kind of things. But, but how do you explain, and maybe this is the wrong, this is something that you can't explain still, but are you able to better explain now travesties and, and devastating things that happen when children are murdered or killed or those types of things? How, how, how does that, what's your take on all that? Um, what my take is, is people choose to come down for a certain period of time, including children. Uh, they're not children, they're spirits. You know, we're all the same age up there. So I may choose, like my daughter, I, my daughter, um, my first baby, she only lived two days. Mm. And uh, she had a bunch of internal birth defects. They did some horrible operation on her to try and fix her and found out she had a heart defect they couldn't help. Uh, it was it was it was hellish for all of us. It was terrible, and uh, I was very angry at God. Um, yeah. But it wasn't God's fault. So what I've learned is she chose to come down, volunteered when we were talking about all of us coming down to earth. She volunteered to come down. Didn't want to stay a long time this trip. She only wanted to stay. She'd be, be with me nine months, and then for two days, and then she wanted to go back home. But she wanted to be there to help me with the experience of going through this, of, uh, of, you know, blaming God and coming to terms with it. And, and the, the blessing that came out of that experience, uh, was that I had several other friends. We were all pretty young. We were in our twenties, early twenties that lost their babies too. And, um, I had developed this empathy now. I knew how it felt to lose a small child like that. So I remember one of my girlfriends, uh, I, I went to see her and I, I said, I'm so sorry, and I, I know how you feel. She says, you know what, you do know how I feel. She says, these other people who say to me, oh, I'm so sorry, you lost a baby. I, I, I really feel for you. I know how you're going. She says, it just makes me angry. But she says, you do know how I feel. So there was an empathy that I could now take and share with other people. That was the good that came from that, one of the good things. So I learned to look at disasters like that. And, you know, my brother was an alcoholic. And I, I mean, we've got all kinds of things that happen to us. But they're for a good reason, and generally some good will come from it. Um, and that person's not lost. They're, um, they're in heaven. They're fine. They're safe. A lot of times when, when people are in those last moments of death, they already leave their spirit, and they're not really feeling any pain or confusion or fear. It's let go at the end, and then they understand, and they go home. So... Yeah, there's a lot of things I believe differently now from experience and from sharing with other people that that make me have a much lighter life. Mm -hmm. I can accept things. I know there's evil in the world, and we have to be very careful not to listen to that whispering of, you know, doing things that are, are really despicable. 
Now, I think what you're wanting to know and what I always question is like, all right, all right, how about somebody like Hitler? I know, does he go unpunished? Shouldn't he be in hell? Well, you know, if I were Hitler and I was seeing my life review and I got the opportunity to feel every bit of fear and pain that I inflicted on each and every person, that would be his own personal hell. Who could hurt him any more than that than to feel that you inflicted that kind of pain and misery on all those millions of people? But that's not God doing it. It's just being accountable for your action. So none of this, none of the uh, devastations throughout the world, whether it's a natural disaster, criminal act, heinous behavior, none of it's God's fault in your mind. Yes, that's true. It's not God's fault. He gave us free will. He cannot interfere. Um, why do people? Why do people? Why do we all chose to be here in 2020? We'll have a good laugh about that when we get home. Do you ever uh, say I pray to? You know? Do you ever say I pray to God? Like you hope something good's going to happen? I, 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 you know what I've I've learned now to say is Your will be done, and then after that, give me the grace to handle it. Mm. Don't change it. He can't change it. I had made free will, and I decided to be in this mess. Um, but it's not a mess. It's an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to help other people. If, if there's a disaster in town, I lived through an earthquake in Santa Cruz. It was devastating. And, but what I, I learned to help other people that were also suffering. Uh, you know, you see the homeless. That's an opportunity to get in there and help. You know, go work at the soup kitchen. If, if that's calling you, if what really, really bothers you as being terrible on this earth, go do something about it. Um, when I... I was praying a lot when I got back and I was understanding all this and I did I did not want to go to the cell and pill thing again never and I never wanted any of my f family or friends to go and I would pray and pray and pray God how tell me how not to have this happen again and over a period of, of months I would hear words and they streamed together and they're pretty much the golden rule everything Christ taught everything all the you know the holy people taught is to be loving and kind merciful forgiving encouraging grateful non-judgmental and useful if we all just live that way if you can't remember it all just be loving and kind in every situation every morning when you get up so when somebody cuts you off in traffic or your husband yells at you you can keep in mind all i gotta do is be loving and kind and i'm not saying being a victim right, you, right. you you've just that's that's what we're supposed to do and if everybody did that we'd have heaven on earth kathy did you by chance see the the daughter that you lost after two days old did you see her when you went to heaven <laughs> no but i joked that if i'd seen her they couldn't have gotten me out of there with a crowbar mm. but um no i did not and there was probably a good reason i probably would have put up quite a fuss so do you believe that when we all pass we we have we uh, inevitably will be reconnected with all of our loved ones, or oh, do you not yeah. know that? Oh, yeah, your soul group, you know, um, you, all, you all hook up again. And for people that have pets, uh, so many people that I know that have passed over, they all see their dogs and their cats. Mm. Or their pets, you know, birds, what, you know, um, that's part of their heaven. Is their their pets are there? Well, listen, I, I will say this, Kathy. I, I think it's uh, you know, courageous and encouraging 
to talk about this type of stuff. I, I pray to God it wasn't a uh, psychedelic dream or something going on with you. No, I pray no, to no. God that this is real. <laughs> it wasn't. I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to lie. I am a little no. skeptical because, of course, how can you not be? Um, and I just hope that your what you saw is. I hope there is something else after this life because it would be a shame for this to be it. Yeah. It would talk about you've no, got you've got a I new don't book. I don't worry about that anymore. You've got a new book. What's the uh, talk about the book before well, we finish? Well, it, it tells what happens to me. I was a misfit in hell to heaven expat. Mm. An expat is an expatriate, somebody who works one place and lives in another. And we all start off in heaven. We're all heaven expats because we come down here to do our work, and we all go home to heaven. Beautiful, beautiful. We will link that book in the show notes. Okay. And uh, wishing you a beautiful remainder of this long life ahead. I don't know if you. I, I don't know if I should say I wish you another twenty years or another twenty minutes. <laughs> I, I don't know what you want. It but. is what it is. <laughs> when I get it all done, what I'm supposed to do, I'll get to go home. Yes, you will. So every yes, day you, will. you do do the best you can. Fantastic to link up with you. I really appreciate your story. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Nate. Take care. You too.